0: (laughs) Live from Studio E Welcome to The Weekly A broadcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church I'm your host, Jay Ewing Alive in the flesh today It is a beautiful Wednesday in Colorado It's one of the best days of the year You know why, Thomas? No, I have no idea It's cloudy, I'm depressed I feel like we have so few gray days Yeah that we should take them off and enjoy them because our days are full of sun usually there, so a gray day is a very i unique need opportunity.
1: i need sun every day every day like when it's cloudy i yeah. just want to crawl back into bed
0: <laughs> like
1: hey this is a great way to god talk. god bless the pacific northwest but <laughs> with great coffee he has not made me i you know what they do yeah. have good coffee. I wonder if that's because they're inside all day. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. And like, you know what we should do? We should make some coffee. Oh. Are you sad? I'm
0: sad. I drink more coffee on gray days for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's so good to be with you, Calvary. Thanks for tuning in. If you find us on the podcast, thanks for listening. We hope your commute to Denver is treating you well. If you follow us on YouTube, we're so glad you're tuning in. If you want to check out the last two episodes on YouTube? Just a solid leave us a review. Ask us a question. I pay attention to those more than the weekly email. (laughs) Just being honest. And uh, no matter where you are in the world, go to calvarybible.com. Click your campus. Find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. Get connected at Calvary. This is a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And we want you to get connected. So go to calvarybible.com. And we have some breaking news today. Thomas and I just discovered we were on TikTok as a Calvary Bible <laughs> out If you haven't seen Jay's dance moves on TikTok, you you definitely want to subscribe to the weekly. To the weekly, <laughs> but also follow us on TikTok. I guess the tickety talk. You know you're getting old. Do you, do you have TikTok? No, there's no way. Have you ever
1: seen TikTok?
0: Um, on other people's phones. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, about it. Other people's phones. It's an OPP. You know, um, this might as well get the white tube socks and the white shoes and call me old. I feel like that's coming back in style, though. Like, I see a lot of oh like, yeah the young and the hips. Totally. Wearing the Birkenstocks and the socks, man. The jeans of the 90s that I wore through, like, middle school and high school yeah. are back. Oh, yeah. And better than ever. Like, these,
1: these skinny jean things are, like, <laughs> jeans that go down to your ankles. Yeah. No. No. No, we need some baggy jeans. Boot cut. Man. Yep. we Life
0: is good. We have uh, one of those individuals. Are you a millennial? Millennial. We have, if you don't know, because of YouTube, we do have someone in the booth with us who's capturing all the glory of our radio faces. <laughs> <laughs> we were built for radio. Yeah, Sam's the best. She works for YouTube, I think, mm-hmm. and comes in and films this for us. Yeah, she does. She's one of the best. Anyway, so we're going to jump into the conversation. Last week, I posed this question, when is appropriate to start listening to Christmas music? One of those individuals on YouTube posted that he started September, I think, 11th or 17th. Of think, this year? or of 20 this year. 2019. <laughs> you know why? Has not stopped. Yeah. It was sort of fun. It's tongue-in-cheek because he's practicing for his Christmas concert.
1: Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I did see some houses in the area that have LED lights Yeah, that were, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure were hung. Mm -hmm. And they were orange and yellow for Halloween. And I don't think they changed their lights. I think they just changed the color
0: to green and red. Okay, were those the jellyfish lights, the ones that sort of inlay inside the house? I don't know, because... Or, or they, they look like Christmas lights? They,
1: well, they look like Christmas lights, but they looked like Halloween lights the other day. So That
0: would be genius if Christmas lights were LED where you could pick the color. I'm sure there. are. There. Yeah, I think, I think people have
1: begun to just hang lights, like mm-hmm. holiday lights on their house. And then change And then it. they change the color or well, pattern.
0: What's the pattern for Thanksgiving then? Ooh, probably yellow and brown. See, <laughs> again, <laughs> I love Thanksgiving Ye- Day. Probably
1: yellow, red, and orange. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: I love Thanksgiving Day. But even even the colors don't even sound like it's a great holiday. (laughs) It's not like a Wyoming football team. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come on. It's in Wyoming.
1: Uh, That's like the complaint against the plate of food from our other friend, Gary. Mm. It's just all mush.
0: Oh, gosh. That's awful.
1: It's true. It's like the same kind of variation (laughs) of yellows and browns (laughs) and creams. (laughs)
0: I love Thanksgiving Day. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. Mm. But name two Thanksgiving songs that you listen to on repeat every year. Oh, yeah. Um, there's not one. <laughs> That's all. Let me, <laughs> Let me answer that. I'm going to find one. There's the there's one called Sports. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and the NFL song. <laughs> That's actually pretty clever, actually. I'll give you that. That's good. But, like, I, I suggested to my friends, and one of them was like, haven't you ever heard of the thanksgiving hymn i was like no <laughs> the thanksgiving hymn is that re- is that real there's our thanksgiving hymn It's real it right life now. but i'm like isn't that every worship song like isn't it doesn't make sense because no. you can only sing christmas songs during the christmas season because they we don't we don't sing them in july as a church you know what i mean top 20 hymns of thanksgiving oh my goodness but I
1: think they were just thinking of Thanksgiving, not the holiday. Yeah, just the name. Yeah, great thankful. is thy faithfulness.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like we sing that year round. That's not Thanksgiving It's oh, not talking about a bird. You no, know, I
1: think I think that they were just thinking Yeah, Thanksgiving. I get it.
0: I get it. They're reaching. They're reaching here, people.
1: All creatures of our God and King is number one Thanksgiving Day hymn. According to some random website I just looked up.
0: <laughs> Great, <laughs> emphatic evidence from Britannica. Speaking of Thanksgiving, aren't you yeah. thankful that we're in the middle of Revelation? Yeah, you like I that am. segue. That was, that was, that was decent. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, we're in the thick of it, my friend. The yeah, these, these are the
1: chapters, man. This is why people don't do the book.
0: Yeah, this is why last week on the weekly, if you watched it on YouTube mm-hmm. or listened to the podcast or caught us on TikTok, I said <laughs> I, I'm literally amazed. How many Christians actually never read the whole book? Mm -hmm. That's not an offensive statement. It's just we've read parts, we've read headlines, but we haven't read the whole book.
1: I think it, don't you think it's in a similar thread with Leviticus? Like, we haven't done a great job Mm. just elevating the beauty of Leviticus. Like, the book is phenomenal, unbelievable, amazing, like, formational for our faith. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of skip it. Or, the annual, you know, Bible reading plan dies in Leviticus. <laughs> Somewhere
0: in between Leviticus.
1: So I think it's similar to Revelations. Like, I don't yeah. I don't get it. So I like what we're doing. I really appreciate the fact that we as a church, all three campuses, are drawing on the big threads. Yeah. Saying, okay, we're going to come to the book, and the book opens and closes with a word of blessing mm-hmm. to those who read it, mm-hmm. and then ends with those who read it and apply it, who those who live out this book. So we're looking for the blessing. Like, where is the blessing in each chapter? Um, Mark Luby had a really good question the other day that I thought was was helpful in framing our approach to each chapter, even section. And he simply asked the question, if I didn't have, let's take Revelation 13 and 14 we're talking about this week. If I didn't have Revelation 13 and 14 in my Christian understanding, what formational piece of my faith is missing? That's a very great question. So, like, what have I been missing out on as a Christian? Mm-hmm. Because this hasn't been part of my Christian faith and understanding. Mm. And I think that's a great way to approach it. Is, right. Okay, one blessing. One, we're looking at the big narrative. Like, what are, what are the big threads we can pull out of this? And then, what if I didn't have that in my repertoire? Mm-hmm. What have I been missing out on? And I think, you know, when we were in Revelation 12, a, a good understanding of the dragon the good understanding of a spiritual war, a battle in which there is an adversary of God that pursues the people of promise, Old Testament Israel, New Testament, the, the inclusion of Israel and and uh, the Gentiles in Christ. And he's actively seeking to destroy all of those people and all those things. If you don't know that, man, it's like, man, life's just hard. Why is life so
0: hard? Yeah, what, Where does evil come from? That reminds me, can we back up to 12... And I have a question that came it's out your of... your show, man. We out, can do whatever you want. After last week, someone was like, Jay, do you think, and I'm going to ask this to Thomas, do you think when Satan's thrown down out of Revelation 12, he can no longer ever go to the throne room? Mm. What What's your take on that? I think
1: whether he has access to the throne room or not is, is a question mark. I think what he was doing in the throne room when it came to the book of Job, remember when Job 1 opened? Yeah. And... The, the the sons of God I mean angelic beings were were before God and God seen, saw Satan and said where'd you come from He said oh I was on the earth and was he first what does he begin to do is accuse Job mm. He's like well have you considered my servant Job He's like well let me let me accuse Job He's only loving you because of your grace towards him right If you removed your kindness towards him he'd he'd curse your name mm. and so he starts accusing Job of why he's willing to love God I think his ability to accuse us is Fundamentally uh, dismantled, mm-hmm. destroyed in the in the work of the cross. So whether he has access or not, I don't know, but he has no access to accuse us. Mm. Now, if we're just kind of going on a tangent here, it would be peculiar to me in Revelation in chapters four and five we get these heavenly throne room scenes, and I don't see any mention of Satan. Mm-hmm. In fact, what I see is the will of God being done perfectly, and. All of heaven rejoicing, mm-hmm. and the earth crying out. Let heaven's reality become our reality. Yeah, and I don't know if, if I would just say with Paul to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord and Satan. Yeah, I don't know. I, it would just seem mm-hmm. a bit odd to me. So yeah. I, I I view it I read it. I think we looked at the clue where where Jesus has sent out the seventy two and they're they have they have authority over the demonic world and he says I saw Satan fall and I think that's a clue that his his place in heaven is, is over. Yeah, it's over.
0: Hmm. Could be wrong. Yeah. There's there's another thing that I think we haven't talked about in the book of Revelation. And I wonder how where it happens or when it happens is we have chronicle like chronological thoughts of time, mm-hmm. right? What are what's eternal that's beyond that that we're witnessing and what's chronological? You know what I mean? Yeah. To the the book that we're reading, so the scene of Revelation twelve is that like pre that John's seen because it's eternal, and it's out of scattered time and space, yeah. or is it something where it was chronological? I mean, that's a big question in Revelation, anyways. Yeah. Like, how do you read this book? But sometimes I feel like I'm getting outside of space and time when I'm reading the Book of Revelation. Yeah. Well, when you're getting a picture of what heaven is. That's going to be outside of
1: geographical space and time. Right. Um, and I think we've mentioned this before, but it's a both end. I really think it's a both end. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a full just recapitulation over and over and over again. Because every time you, you get another picture of, like for example, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, it increases in intensity. Right. And it has like a climactic moment. We'll see that you know, this week is God's judgment is coming to a climactic moment. So, yeah, there might be hints of a recapitulation, but it's moving in a direction. Mm-hmm. So, Revelation 1 opens with seven physical churches on the planet, and Revelation yeah. 22 ends with the new Jerusalem Yeah, that had to move through space and time, you know? Yeah. And so we know some things are still future, for sure. I still think the best analogy is John's description of what he saw is is as it's being revealed to him and what will happen, the things that will happen after this and after this, but then he's seeing it. Potentially in a sequential yet recapitulated order, similar to if I asked you to recount your your viewing of the Broncos game. Right. It's like there's a first quarter and there's a fourth quarter. The game starts and the game ends, and in between there's like flashbacks, there's replays, yeah. there's a halftime show, there's a montage of like the Broncos running out of the tunnel before the third quarter starts. Yeah, you
0: know, and so it's like back and forth during the whole time. Right, and I've been trying for three weeks racking my brain how to not to make that a sports analogy and i cannot <laughs> I, <don't.
1: laughs> I mean you could do like the you know if you if you're watching like the grammys or something they're gonna yeah. or like, or the oscars it's like then i saw this and it's like wait you saw that movie that was produced nine months ago right how'd you see that movie that was produced nine months ago it, and then coming up and you're like we well, coming up or you know it's a presentation that was done already you know yeah so, so right. I, th- I think it's it, it could work in other environments but yeah.
0: Let's get to where we were this week, 13 and 14 of Revelation. You know, the first thing I have is this sort of, when I saw a beast rising out of the sea, the The sea in the Bible, that's a very uh, pretty important word in the Bible because usually the sea in the Bible has some implications, right? Mm-hmm. Some implications of um, sort of, disaster or evil. I'm trying to not use the word chaos, but it it does. So when we're reading the Bible, when we see like someone was on the sea or that something came out of the sea, we're supposed to think something of the first century of what they thought the ocean was. Yeah. You can think of it as as cosmic
1: evil mm-hmm. almost, or you could say chaos or disorder. Genesis one one opens up with earth was formless and void, right? And the spirit of God was over the surface of the deep, mm-hmm. like over this, these you know, these waters. Right. And then God is speaking and then starts bringing order and beauty and life. You could think of um, Israel passing through the waters and then the sea comes back together and destroys uh, the Egyptians. You could think of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee and it's this like unusual storm in which is stirred up and the disciples are terrified. And then God... That you see Jesus speak against the winds and the waves, right? And they're obedient. You could think of him casting out demons, and they run into the pig, the swine, and the swine then go destroy themselves in the the ocean, in the water, right? So, for sure, I think it is a a picture of evil, of chaos, of disorder. You might even just refer to it as the abyss. Hmm. Is this is the abyss? This is a pit Hmm. in which, in the Jewish mind, is. That's evil. Right. And so this beast coming out of that is is a description of the character, the nature of this beast.
0: All right. And now this beast is interesting because the beast seems to get its power or its authority from the, the, dra- yeah, the from dragon. The, the dragon. Yeah. yeah. Which is super interesting. So yeah. the Satan actually has this monster come out somewhere yeah,
1: in the world. I think the, the question is, you, know, you end 12 – and it says, the dragon, that's Satan, mm-hmm. became furious with the woman, that's Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring. Those are all believers, Jew and Gentile, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, mm-hmm. the Christians, this is the church. And so how does he make war on them? That, that's the question. So 12 ends, and he stood on the sand of the sea. So he's standing next to the ocean, mm-hmm. the sea, and he's about to put his instrument of antagonist of, of, of antagonizing the, the woman and, the, uh, and her offspring and it's this beast. And so what is this beast comes out and it looks just like the beast of Daniel it has all the attributes of the four beasts that Daniel saw. This is like the super beast of the summation and culmination of, of every system and governance and everything of Antichrist. And though the word Antichrist is not used here, these are the same attributes being blasphemous, being lawless, that Paul talks about, man of lawlessness, or that John talks about as antichrist.
0: That's super interesting. So there's another phrase that sort of ends this section. It says, if anyone has ears, let him hear. I know. Immediately, that's like gospel language of Jesus. As soon as you read that,
1: yeah, just say all you got was revelation. right? Right. So whenever you think of interpretation, let let the Bible interpret itself first and foremost. And so start in the book that you're in. Has that phrase been used somewhere before? So as soon as you hear, he or she, they who have an ear to hear, let them hear. What, what, what do you immediately think of?
0: Well, is it chapter one?
1: Yeah, chap- right in the beginning, chapter two and three with the churches. Oh, two and three. That's where it is. Yeah, yeah. the churches. That's so what I thought. He, he writes these letters to the churches.
0: At the end of it as well? Isn't 22, he says?
1: He has an ear. Yeah. And they should hear. And so it's it's immediately picking up, oh, this is God's message to his people. And so he's calling his people to turn on their ears and pay attention. And so, again, I think to your point, it's like anyone who has an ear, let them hear. And then he he, he says it, this language, if anyone's to be taken captive, mm-hmm. if anyone's to be slain. So basically, if if you are going to be taken to prison from this beast, you're going to go to prison. And there are some of you that are going to be put to death, yeah. which is exactly what he said to, I believe it was Smyrna, where he says, you know, I know of your poverty, I, You know, Satan's going to imprison some of you and put to death others, but hold fast to the testimony. He who has an ear, let him hear. So I think, again, this is to hearken back to, hey, this is God's message to the believers, to bless them and strengthen them, encourage them in their time for
0: endurance. Right, 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 right. So because he calls for the endurance and the faith of the saints, it's at the end of sort of that little section right there.
1: Yeah, and you see it repeated again. We didn't get to it on Sunday, but if you go to 14, I think it's verse Twelve. So again, in verse twelve, so just in short oh, yeah. order, there's is is. a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So faith in Jesus is that's a New Testament believing community, Jew and Gentile. So that's not just simply an old testament believing community. They have to have embraced the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so both in thirteen and fourteen, in the activities of the beast against your life, here's a call for
0: endurance. It sort of reminds me of the first and second century of the early church, which was some of the bloodiest of martyrdom mm-hmm. in the, the in the history of Christianity up until the 20th century. And so you're like, oh, this makes sense that God is giving them a future reality of what's about to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right. When you
1: think of Roman emperors, They're beastly. Mm -hmm. You you have Nero persecuting the Christians. You have Domitian persecuting the Christians. You have Judaizers persecuting the Christians, those who follow the teachings of Jesus. And you have Fox's Book of Martyrs, right? Like all of these martyrs. And then you have people today that have cataloged those who have died for their faith in the last 100 years. And they would say, statistically, more people have been put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ in the last 100 years than all the centuries before right so you think wait a minute maybe i have a very western christian american view of like well i don't feel persecuted put to death and i am ignorant of my brothers and sisters right in the sudan in you know south korea you know in Mm -hmm. in different parts of the world where they truly are put to death because of their testimony That's right. And so they read this and they go, "Man, this is a word of encouragement for me. I am blessed to know that God is ultimately in charge and that he has overcome the dragon, that this won't be the end of the story." Yeah. So, you know, I think we we take it from you know our our life being the centerpiece to Revelation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, if you just put yourself in the shoes of your
0: brothers and sisters around the world, this is really encouraging. Right. Right. This is for especially like the underground church. Yeah. Those who are meeting in secret or those who are meeting under even persecution of this week mm-hmm. have to be encouraged by some of this where we're like, let's go get another cup of coffee. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Well, it, even to that, a lunch,
1: it's like, so one of the big things that we were looking at in this chapter is him being a counterfeit God mm-hmm. in all of these ways. Like God alone is creator. Yeah, this is good. The devil is counterfeiter. Like ha- he can't create anything. So all he does is bend, twist, pervert, distort something that is good to try to get your allegiance to him, mm-hmm. to try to suck you in. And so in America, you might not need persecution for that. You might just need warm cups of coffee, right, 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 right. in a sense. So when you think of the word counterfeiter, or even in your own life, like what are examples and stories from your own personal life where you're like, oh, man, I was totally fine with the counterfeit. Yeah,
0: I mean, back in middle school, early high school, we went to flea market and bought the Focleys when Oakleys were really cool (laughs) and really expensive. Yeah. No way my mom's going to buy that. But – I can get 20 bucks for to buy Folklies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I remember when, you know, like the Jordans had come out, mm-hmm. or like the the pumps, and then I can't remember who it was that had, you know, it's like a, I don't know, um, some off-brand shoe. Right. And thinking, oh, you know what? They're close enough. I'll just buy those. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we get, we, we hear this beastly language, and then we just think, okay, this this system, mm-hmm. this may be culminating in a person, is really ugly is violent. Um, I'm not going to fall for that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, that's a characteristic of ha- who he is. He will devour, but he may devour you with luxury. Right. He may. He be. He's totally content devouring you and distracting you from Jesus with comforts.
0: Right. Right. Totally. C.S. Lewis writes about this in the Weight of Glory, how we so settle for making mud pies and just the reality of what God is already doing and how we get yeah. distracted by these little things. Yeah. So you talk about these counterfeit things. There's like six of them or seven of them? I counted six. Go ahead. I figured that just kind of worked with 666. Six, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So why not? It's really good preaching. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about the counterfeit trinity, the counterfeit authority and throne, the counterfeit resurrection, counterfeit signs and wonders, counterfeit marks of something, mm-hmm. and then the final one was Turn the page here, counterfeit worship. And yeah. you really slowed down on counterfeit worship. But what was, out of those counterfeits, what was the most striking one to you? What is the one that you're like, oh, man, this is very strange and interesting or very formative? Well, I think it goes to identify this beast
1: as antichrist. So mm. I know people have used the word counterfeit trinity. I used it the other day. And then Zach was, I think... uh, Kind to say, hey, let's let's reserve that word for God alone, right? So I actually changed it to like a triunity or oh, Godhead. Yeah. you know, I use true. So you're fine. I I've used it forever too. That I think a lot of commentators do too. And I thought ah, maybe we should keep it reserved for what is true. Um, which yeah, is don't muddle it. Yeah, please. But I think in all of it is everything is is looking for allegiance away from Jesus. So when we talk about Antichrist. We looked at three passages in First John that talk about the spirit of Antichrist that's already present, that is coming. And anti can mean an opposition, right? So that's that's blatant persecution against the things of Christ. It, it's also pseudo, <laughs> is hey, I'm Christ. Like I mean, Jesus says many false Christs are going to come, right? And, and don't believe them. And what would a false Christ do? Well, a false Christ would want to say like, I I can be your savior. I I'm your your helper. I'm the one that you can ultimately trust. Let me be the Lord of your life, um, and I think that's a, that's a way to paint this beast as is more true of who he is, in the sense of pseudo. I'll stand in place of if I can if I can get your allegiance that I would be the Lord, master, director of your life. Right. Trust me, or in opposition, like I I'll I will persecute you so you'll deny Christ. You know, but I think the, the ultimate one is just it leads to worship, and we've talked about this a lot is what do you as a human being worship? Like, what's worthy? He wants you to see him as worthy. And for most of the world, they they look at him and say, he's worthy. Like, look how he's victorious. He's conquered the saints. Like, he was given authority to do that. Yeah. Which, you know, we read and go, okay, God's still in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, even this beast was given the authority by God, permitted to do this. Um, but he's going to look very, very successful. This These world systems and governments like Rome of the first century, looks very successful. Why would we not want to be part of that? Right. Like, look how wealthy we are. Look how luxurious we can be. Look how good our life is. Look at our military presence. I want to align myself with those things. Right. We like winners. Yeah, and he, everything about the beast looks like a winner. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of, well, when it's time to accept Jesus, I'll accept Jesus. Like, I'm not going to accept the beast. You're like, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately it's leading to worship. It's a counterfeit worship is give me your allegiance. Right. And the mark is just part of that. I, one thing we didn't talk about on Sunday with the mark is there's a, there's an economic cost to it. And it says, you know, you can't buy or sell. Yeah. I think it goes back to the letters with the churches too. I know your poverty. No. And some of these churches that were impoverished were in really wealthy areas. Mm. And so commentators ask, well, what, what caused their poverty if it wasn't economic disparities? right? There wasn't the lack of goods, services, trade, jobs. It's probably because they wouldn't pay allegiance to Caesar. Mm -hmm. And because they weren't wouldn't pay allegiance to Caesar, they were kind of cut out of business deals. Yeah. And so part of the, the commerce of the day of Rome was, hey, well, let's, let's burn a pinch of incense and say Caesar is Lord. And then we can talk about some business. Mm -hmm. And Christians are like, well, I can't do that. Well, then we're not gonna talk about business. Right. And so, well, because I won't, mark my allegiance to Rome, it puts me at an economic disadvantage. And so I'm impoverished. And I think, it, I think that's a better description of what it means to take this mark mm-hmm. is I've given myself over to the allegiance of whatever system governments person that allows me to be in commerce yeah. or no, my allegiance to Jesus limits these business deals. And there's a lot of Christians today be like, okay, that's listen, I'm not asking you to be a Christian here. This is just your civil duty, right? Like to separate your religion from your politics or whatever. And I think for the Christian in the first century is, yeah, we can't do that. I'm I'm one person. You can't divide my soul that way. And my allegiance lies with Jesus. And so
0: I can't pledge my allegiance here to Caesar. That's interesting because the, I mean, I was just reading recently about J.I. Packer's biography, right? And, um, his love for Puritan theology was part of that. He he loved Puritan theology because they wouldn't divide their like sacred world with their secular world. It was just one world to them. And so it it cost them, especially across the pond before they came over to the United States. Speaking of Thanksgiving and pilgrims, (laughs) the Puritans was, it cost them their allegiance to Christ, cost them and were persecuted. And that's why they came over to the States. Which I think is to establish a place where they didn't have to. Yeah. That's super interesting.
1: It is. And then, you know, this whole idea of like dividing ourselves out as though like, this is my civic duty. This is my religious duty. No, to be, to be wholeheartedly for Christ is my whole life Mm. who I am as a father, as a husband, as an employee, um, how I operate in my community is as a Christian, You can't divide that. And you know I'm not asking anyone else to divide that. I'm not asking people to check their faith system and go into politics, even if they're not a Christian. I just assume you're one person and you're going to lead out of your theology, out of your worldview. And then we all get to determine, do I want that kind of person to be in authority over me? Hmm. But I think for the Christian, there are real costs to living in quote-unquote exile, as Peter talks about. We we are exiles of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven with full allegiance to Jesus will have implications. Mm-hmm. And I I have to have a an honest conversation with myself to say if I don't feel any of those implications, am I fully living out the allegiance to Jesus Christ? You know? Yeah. Like if if worshiping the beast causes these problems mm-hmm. Against Christians or worshipping Christ causes these problems in my real world, and I don't feel any of those problems. I don't feel any of those tensions that that should
0: lead me to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm gonna leave it there for this week. I think that's a great place to leave it because you know the reality of reading revelation is like part maybe it's maybe it's like Laodicea. Part of what Revelation calls you either hot or cold. Yeah. You're not lukewarm. And so often our lives are just lukewarm.
1: I think we've talked about before, that's probably our greatest danger in the area where we live. It's an influential area, it's a prosperous area, it's a comfortable area, and it's easy to just
0: be caught up in the
1: flow of things.
0: Thanks, Thomas, for your time. Thanks, Jay. Hey, Calvary, we're so thankful you're listening, watching, wherever you are. Let us know. We love talking to you. Hit us up on the weekend and say, hey, I checked out this episode. Or, hey, y'all should talk about this sometime soon. We would love to hear from you. As well as know that we'll continue to pray for you as you continue to pray for Calvary. Thankful in our partnership in the gospel, no matter where you find yourself today. Have a great day.